know that? They turn out to be people, almost every single one of them. But Paul was different, as you know. And I saw in his life, I mean, he was quiet, he was gifted, he was the best basketball player, he could throw the football about 60, 70 yards. I think he could have been pro. Yeah, he was really, I mean it, I mean, he was just awesome. He can still do it, yeah. He wasn't quite as good as me at the time, but he was good. He was good. But I saw in him a character quality and some things. He'd been walking a lot longer than I had in the Lord. And though we were friends, he was really my mentor. We had a club together, Young Life Club. And we were just inseparable for that short time that he was here. And then so delighted when he moved back. And his prayer wasn't quite good enough, so if you don't mind, I'm going to pray one more time. All right, that better? Okay. Oh, you, you might have to keep telling me that because I'm used to a, a thing around my face and I move a lot, so I'll try to talk loudly. Well, Father, I just thank you so much. I just feel so, such power, such joy, such freedom here, God. And, Lord, I pray that all of us would go out with more joy, more freedom, more grace, more glory than we came in with more understanding of your ways, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, you know, the Bible talks about many things. In fact, it talks about everything you need to really know about. I offered my kids, um, I said, if you memorize, I thought I would rather my children know the Bible than nuclear science. I'd rather them know the Bible than anything, anything. And I offered my kids, I said, I'll give you $1,000 if you memorize the book of Romans. And I was serious. I didn't have $1,000 to offer, but I knew God would give it to me. But that's what I, when there are children, I think one of my kids got about $250 worth. So he, he asked me the other day, though, Dad, is that offer still there? He needs to buy a house now. He says, is that offer still there? <laughs> but th- this book, there is no other book like it. There never has been. There never will be. This is the book of life. This is the book to go for your marriage. This is the book to go for every trouble, every problem, every hope, every dream. This is where you're going to find how to get it. And the Bible contains talk about heaven and hell, demons and angels, eternity and time, end times, the beginning times. But there's one subject that's more than anything else. Surprising. 2,500 verses can be Uh, attributed to this one subject. It's mentioned more often in the New Testament than heaven and hell put together. It's money. It's money. And our lives are so often ruined, we stumble in life because we don't know how to handle this money. I want to talk to you about a crook tonight. Not a cook. I want to talk about a crook that Jesus said, that's what you people should be like. Surprising. The Bible is so full of surprises, and we stumble over things because we, we don't expect Jesus to say the th- kinds of things he says in the Bible. He's so counterintuitive all the time. And the more I read the Bible and find myself stumbling over something, the more I want to stop and say, I wonder what's buried there. So if you don't understand something in the Bible, and here's a parable I didn't understand until Paul and I were seminary together. We had a professor named Haddon Robinson, great preacher, and he explained this, and I want to read it to you, 
And maybe you've come across this parable and say, oh, that's a strange thing, but it is powerful. So it's from Luke 16, about a crook. He also said, and right from the start there, if you have Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I realize, by the way, as I'm speaking, that some of you may not know Jesus yet, and we are at different stages. Some of you are brand new Christians. You've been a Christian for a week, or some of you for a year. Uh, Paul and I, Paul's been a Christian nearly his whole life. I've been a Christian about 50, 50 years this year, exactly. And uh, so so we are at different places, and 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 resist uh, the fear that you don't belong here. Resist the fear that, man alive, these kids are so hot about Jesus and I'm just wondering if there's a God right now. Good, you know, Jerry. just just don't worry about that. We all started at different places and it's God not. is not, thank you, God is, <laughs> does he do this all the time? <laughs> I know he does. I like it. I like it, by the way. Um, God does not compare you with someone else. He's got a track, nor is he going to, I'm going to give some examples from my life. Don't assume that you're supposed to do anything I did, but look at the principles that God has led that are from the word and let God apply it to you personally. Don't follow any individual and say, well, I should, you know, I should go give away all my money or I should go do this. By the way, I have not given away all my money, but, but don't, don't, or I should do this or I should just listen to Jesus, find the principles of the word and let the Holy Spirit guide you personally. And don't become a crook just because he's complimenting this one on something, okay? <laughs> okay, he also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. Chapter 16, verse 1. <laughs> thank you. Is he your disciple? This one? Uh, a manager and, and uh, charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much... Uh, do you owe my master? He said, a uh, hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill, write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager, that crook. The ma Now, keep in mind here, this master is going to represent God's attitude towards something. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. What? I'll read it again. Does that sound confusing? For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it, what is it? 
money fails they who's they friends that you bought you have heard it said do not buy friends but I say to you buy friends <laughs> truly truly thank you <laughs> truly truly verily verily buy friends by the word of God so that when it money fails you they those people you bought may receive you into eternal dwellings what are you using your money for paying the bills this that and the other thing God says focus on, here's what he says you ought to pay your bills all that there's some instructions about that. But but here he's really capsulizing something. He says, if you want to use your money wisely, buy friends. I'm going to pray for you all right now. I'm not done, though. I'm not done. But I'm going to pray. I might pray a couple of times. Because I, I want this to sink into your heart. This is sunk into my heart. And I tell you, it's changed my life. It's changed me so much. I just see money so differently. I don't see it perfectly. But I tell you what, I'm so grateful for being poor. I'm so grateful for being rich now. I'm so, my daughter said, Dad, you know, some people, the only wealth they have is money. We're starting a little company together. And we both agreed we don't want to be rich like that. But we want to be rich like that. So I'm going to pray for something. Father, I pray right now. I pray right now, Lord, that you will put some things in our hearts, some people who we can buy, that when we get to heaven, they may not even know because we may give secretly. But when we get to heaven, they say, thanks, Rebecca. I found out you gave 10 bucks instead of going out for pizza. Thank you so much. And I went to that YWAM, and my life was transformed partly because of your 10 bucks. We are friends forever. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. <laughs> what do you want out of life, everybody? I'll tell you what you want. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, when you die, and even before you go to heaven, I know what you want. People don't believe this because... Obviously, they don't believe it because they go after everything else in the world. But there's one thing you want. It's intimate relationships with other people. And everything else is a wash. It is absolutely worthless when you get down. You get, you get all the stuff you want. But then you say, this didn't satisfy me. And I crawled over this to do that. And I, I gossiped a little bit of her at the office so I would get the job. And I did this and that. But, but I'm not as happy as she is. Why not? Because the relationship isn't there in time and then, much more important, in eternity. It's the only thing that satisfies. God is three. One, two, three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They never had a fight. <laughs> not once. They never said, oh, my goodness. Am I not close enough? Okay. I can't hold it. Then I can't go like this. All right, I need to keep going here.
One who is faithful in a little, in very little, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest with much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? God is testing most people here. How many have some financial needs that you scratch your head? Where is that going to come from? Does anybody here have financial needs? Okay. Would you split this money up to all of them? No. no. Okay. Everybody can think of things that you could use money for. Just about everybody in this room, I'm sure. I'm sure. There was a bunch of people at my work one time that were complaining. God was getting a hold of me with this. I did not have a lot of money. I had, I think I was making $100 a week. I had three children, and um, it was not a lot then. Uh, it was not a lot. It was just enough. I think I was on food stamps. And, and the guys were complaining. I was an electrician. And the guys were all, uh, apprentice. And the guys were all complaining about how little money they had. And I, God was working on me to be grateful, to be confident. And I said, you know, you guys, um, I, quit, I quit this. I quit the company. I said, yeah. Were you still here? I said, yeah, I decided to work for God. Yeah. Just said it right out there in the lunchroom. I said, and I got all the money I need. Did any of you guys need a loan or anything? They were just grousing about how, much, how little money they were making. And I just, I just let it out like that. And you know, God will build your, God wants you to be confident in Him, not in what's in your pocket. Do you know there's only two gods? There's the God of this earth and the God of heaven. Those are the only two. And the God of this earth is called mammon. Because it's what makes Things work on earth on a temporal basis. Money is what makes things work here, and we can all see that. And people who are temporally minded and don't have eternity in mind do all they can to find their security in money and their pleasure with the, what the money can get. Now, I want to say something. <clears throat> I'm going to get at materialism, uh, and there's a reason for it. If you are in debt, 98% of the time you're a materialist. If you worry about money, 99% of the time you're a materialist. And if you were born from 1850 to 1999, if you're born in that time span, 100% sure you're a materialist. Now, here's why I know that. I was asking God one time. I was working with a, a community of people, and um, I had graduated from seminary, and God called me in to a, uh, an inner city situation, and I was working with a certain uh, demographic of people. And I said, God, I don't know what made me ask this, but I, I started seeing the spiritual realm, and I knew that there were spirits over families, over people, over governments, um, and over people groups. 
And you can see, we hate to stereotype people, but when you watch a certain people group over a period of time, you can say, this, they're like this, they're like this, they're like this, Norwegians don't kiss publicly, these people don't do this. <laughs> you know, you, you start naming things that are pretty typical of them. Don't, don't prove me wrong now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. But there are things that are stereotypical. That does not mean every person in that group is like that. But you have to fight against it. You will have to fight against it because there are demonic powers trying to suppress the glory of God that he has put into different personality types, different races. There's always a glory of God that he's established there that the enemy has perverted. And you can see both the glory of God coming out of those people and you can see the perversion of that glory. So I asked God about a certain group and he said, I said, what is the prince demon over those people? He said, bitterness. I mean, I, I got an answer that fast, that fast. So I started writing Bible studies about bitterness and, sp and giving it to the guys I was discipling, and mailing it to them, actually, because I'd left town and, and I, I wanted to keep ministering to them. And then I said, well, what's, um, what's the basic uh, uh, the, the prince demon over all of America? And he answered me that quick, materialism. That's why I know you all struggle with it. Unless somehow you have broken free in a very conscious way and the grace of God has hit you in a, 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 in a dramatic way, you've got seeds of materialism shot through your life. And in the end time, this is what God's going to say. And if you've been faithful in that which is in others, if you haven't been, who will give you that which is your own? No servant, out of the blue he says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. It's that simple. My father was anxious. We did not have a lot of money. My father was a laborer. I still remember seeing the torn rug that couldn't get replaced because we couldn't afford it. And in our little basement apartment with, uh, I think we had four kids in a one and a half bedroom basement apartment for years. And then dad bought a house. Wow. Had my own room for a few years. Fantastic. But my dad worried about money. I mean, it was one of his downfalls. Led to some alcoholism. He was a good dad in many, many ways, but that anxiety, that anxiety just wore on him. And you know, a man, a, a man particularly women, I'm very traditional, male-female, we're miles different, and we have miles that are different in our callings, in our roles in life, and I thoroughly believe that. I also believe there's some crossover that God designs. So again, there are... There are typical men and typical women, but that doesn't mean that we don't have some of each other's stuff and even calls and careers and that. But for a man, he got cursed in a certain way, girls and men. In the book of Genesis, curses came on the woman, the snake, and the man. And man's great joy in life was to make money. It was his great joy to give provisions to his family to go and work the garden, pick the fruit, and give it to his family. That was his great joy. 
But when sin came, and I tell you what, if you find a man, generally speaking, not always, I got good friends who are stay-at-home dads and all that, and I don't want to diss a whole group of people that God may be calling differently. But usually when a man cannot provide, it drives him nuts. It drives him absolutely nuts. Women, you don't know this yet, but most of you are going to want to have babies if you don't have that desire right now. It's going to come sometime to you. It may not come till you've had a career. And you're, you're climbing a career ladder and you always say, i got to have a baby. There's something inside of you <laughs> that, that cries out to be a mom. Yeah. It will. And don't, don't refuse it. You know, don't refuse the way God's made you. And he has not made every woman like that. He hasn't. i got to keep on saying that because otherwise we just get too stereotypical. But just as much as a woman just cries out and when, that, and when she gets that baby, I mean, that becomes her focus. So a man looks outside and says, I've got to provide. And he starts enjoying success at bringing home the bacon and saying, here, honey. He just loves it. And you better say thanks when he comes home with it. Because that's his thing. That's his thing. But in the garden, it was all messed up. It wasn't funny anymore. Thorns and thistles made it hard to bring home the bacon. It changed. It's a curse. And I want to talk just at the end, if I forget, how God has reversed that curse. But before he gives us all kinds of principles to follow, all kinds of things to do. Uh, by the way, uh, bef- you can't serve God and money. In the end time, there are two places to live in the spirit. One is in the bride of Christ developing the glory and beginning the shining glory that God has made for you and me. You live in that realm of becoming the bride of Christ or you live in something called the great harlot, the substitute queen of heaven. From Genesis to Revelation, people have worshipped a feminine deity and in the end, She's called Babylon, the great whore, the mother of all prostitutes. And do you know what it says in Revelation? It says, get out of her, my people. It's a very sober, serious thing. People of God are going to be caught up in the materialism of the great Babylon who is looking for pleasure, security, identity in time, and space rather than eternity. And money is going to be the thing that will hold you there. What is it at the end of time? You're going to take a mark. And what can't you do without that mark? You can't buy or sell. What are you going to do if you're dependent on money? See, this is the culmination of everything. We ought to get ready for the culmination of everything because the same principles that God's expecting us to have here when we come to perfection are the same principles we need to live by now if we want rewards and friends in heaven. So we need to get those principles now. And by the way, many unbelievers are going by those principles and they're happier than you are because they're going by the principles of God and they work. They're going to hell without Jesus' blood. But if they follow these pages, they'll be happier than you if we're just nonchalant about what to do with our money. 
because the principles of gravity work for Christians and non-Christians, and the principles of finances work for Christians and non-Christians. So we, of all, ought to be wise in how we handle our money. Now, there's a couple of things, a couple of principles to go on here. First of all, there's some verses that we get all wrong. I'm going to give you three verses. See if this one's right, if if I say this right. Money is the root of all evil. You've been teaching them? Okay, what is it? The love of money. Boy, you better get money. You better want some money. There's something sick if you don't want it, and you're probably in debt and living by somebody else. I know a young man who said he didn't need money for anything. (laughs) Didn't have a job. He needed money, but he got it from people who gave it to him. He was just lazy. Yeah. So anyway, it's the love of money. It's not money. But the love of money, it says, is the root of all evil. Here we go again. Two gods. All evil comes from loving the temporal realm, which is symbolized by finances that work here. Loving it. Here's another one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What can you do best, according to that verse? I mean, how many have quoted it? Nobody. <laughs> you know, once, you, once you're a Christian, maybe two, three years, you'll have that one memorized for sure. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we don't read the context The context is, Paul said, I had no money for a while. Now you folks have sent me money. I'm happy. But I've learned to be content in all circumstances. I've what? Learned to be content in all circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What do we need strength for? We need strength for our hearts so that we don't compare. We don't have jealousy. We don't say what if. No, no. I've got what I need. I got it from God. Oh, she got a new dress. That's wonderful. That looks beautiful on you. Oh, that looks so nice on you. <laughs> no, praise God. You look beautiful. You're wonderful, you know. God, you give me the clothes I need. That's the one. Here's another one. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews. He's talking about money. He's talking about money again. I'm never going to leave. We use that for all kinds of things, and it's good for application. But when you see the context of some of our most popular verses, it's talking about money. You know that anxiety comes from fear about finances many, many times in Scripture. Those thorns and those thistles that grow up. It says in the Bible that there are four kinds of ground to plant seeds in. One, the birds eat. Another one is stony, doesn't penetrate, burns up. People who say, oh, I'm so glad I'm saved, and then a little persecution comes and said, I don't think I'm that glad, and I don't think I'm saved. You know, it just goes. It's just gone. (laughs) It's just gone. Gone. And then the third one is the most interesting. The seed goes in, and a plant comes up, but there is zero fruit. What stole the fruit? And what are they called? Thorns and thistles. The cares 
of this, the concerns for finances in this world choke out your fruitfulness. People, I want to go to heaven and have all the rewards that a good, loving God who created the stars can give me. I want it all. I'm very ambitious and selfish. But I have changed where I want my rewards. Or I'm changing it. I want them eternally instead of enjoy them for maybe a few years and then you die and leave them all to someone else. Oh my goodness, what a waste. Go to, a, go to an estate sale sometime. Just go. See how much they left behind. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, this antique. Oh, Jesus. So, I tell you what, it's nothing. Yeah. Unless it comes from God. And then you can prize it and use it and enjoy it. But when you out, go out and grab it, it's no good. Some advice about spending. Don't buy what you can't afford. Now that sounds, what? No, it's not American. When I was in seminary, I think the year after Paul left, God told me to quit my jobs. I was teaching school, uh, and I was taking care of a, um, uh, a man with Parkinson's. I think I had one other job. And God says, quit job because I want you to do that Young Life Club that Paul left you with, just took off to another seminary. And uh, <laughs> I want you to do that, and I want you to start a junior high club, and I want you to keep casting out demons from those prostitutes you're working with, and I want you to do that. I said, see, you don't have time to do that kind of work, so you quit. So I didn't have any money. I d but like I, like I said, I want to say it again. Don't do what I do. Just go by the principles. And the principle is you listen to God. That's what you do. So I didn't have any money. But you know what? And, and, I, and I, didn't, I never thought about taking out a loan. Didn't enter my mind. Now, I'm not against loans for school, for house. For th I am against them for cars. But I'm, I'm not for any investment that's going to do something for you. But you have to be, always be careful. Always be careful about it. So I wouldn't be against a, a school loan, maybe. I never made one, and I was glad for it. But I didn't even think about it in this case. And so I looked and saw how much money I had left for the year that I made that summer. And I said, okay, I have got 26 cents a day if I, have a little, if I divide this money out. 26 cents a day. So I went to the food program, and I said, I think it was Mr. Campbell at the time, I said, I want to get off the seminary food program. He said, what? Nobody got off the seminary food program. What are you going to do? I said, I've got 26 cents a day. I can't afford I can't afford to buy the seminary food. 26 cents. I said, yeah, I said, hamburgers at the Jack in the Box were 26 cents. <laughs> and so I knew I would not die if I ate one hamburger a day. <laughs> and I tell you what, that hamburger once once a day <laughs> tasted really good. <laughs> it did not take any time to eat. The first day, I just went. All the guys were get, going for breakfast. They were down. I could smell it. We used to eat family style in, in, a, in a little lunchroom down there at the seminary. And I'd smell it in the morning, and I'd be up there, you know, trying to pray. I wasn't that good a prayer, but I, in my room by myself. And Okay, what's lunch? 
12 o'clock. <laughs> Went and ate my hamburger. I got a call either the first night or the second night <clears throat> for Bill Robinson. And uh, he said, Gary, I heard, I don't know who told him, because I didn't tell people about this. I heard you're not on the seminary food, pro food program. I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. He said, oh, well, we're starting a restaurant called Alice's Restaurant. You heard that song? I said, no. He said, you can have anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Well, I shouldn't have done that. Now you're going to want me to sing some more. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, he said, he said, I said, no, I haven't, I haven't heard that song, and I don't know. I didn't know what he's getting at. He said, well, Jane and I want you to come over to our house every oof. Still makes me cry. With the goodness of God, when you obey him, he has never failed me. Never, never, never. When I've obeyed him and stepped out financially some way, he has never failed. They said, we want you to come over every single night, eat all you want, home cooked. And I did. <laughs> and you know what? I got, I got a friend for life out of that. I not only got food, but they're my dear, dear friends. I have a great ministry over with the Basque people. And when I did a transition from pastoring, I called Bill and I said, uh, Bill, I'm going to come out there for some counseling and just see if there's something wrong with me because uh, it's pastoring. I just feel like I need to change and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going out to the counseling center and he said, oh, come on out and visit us. But Janie and I aren't going to be here. But I tell you what, you can use our car and travel around, go skiing. And we've got a cabin at the foot of uh, not too far from Rainier and uh, you just come and use our cabin, seek the Lord and whatever. I mean, we've just been... He'd do anything, you know. And, and, but it came. All this comes, not just not just food, but when you obey the Lord, there's all kinds of other things behind it. Yeah. All kinds of things. So don't, if you can't afford something, please don't spend the money. Don't Just don't do it. If you, if you can't control yourself, burn your card. You'll be walking sometimes. You know what? You'll find Jesus will walk with you. I can't afford a car. Sometimes you need a car for your job or whatever. Not always. I did. I went without a car for quite a while. Somebody came to my door and they said, uh, Gary, we want to give you a car. I said, yes. <laughs> and during those years where I had nothing, uh, God wouldn't let me kind of hint, you know. If you, if you decide to really start obeying the Lord, don't hint about money to anybody. It'll wreck the whole thing and you'll be obnoxious to be around. Oh, I um, I don't have any money tonight for dinner. Um, <clears throat> you guys going out to eat? Um, <laughs> you know, don't do it like that. It's so much more exciting when God speaks to somebody and they just say, you know, I just feel led to give you something here. My car, uh, I, I had $100 a head once. I didn't own a car myself. I'd never been ahead a whole hundred dollars for years and years. I had, uh, I was married, had one a son. I was living uh, in a kind of like a homosexual bar area of East Dallas. It was real run down, and and uh, we had nothing. I had no furniture, nothing. But then we got ahead a, a little bit, started painting houses, and uh, I had a hundred dollar bill. I thought I've never had a hundred dollar bill. I mean, and God said, put it in your pocket. Put the hundred dollars in my pocket, okay. But if I put the hundred dollars, and he said, "Now go outside." So I walked down the stairs. There was a car stalled right at, right in the street, the busy street in front of my house. 
and it was a station wagon. And back then, station wagons were the SUVs of today. It was, it was like rich people out of gas. Is that right? Paul still drives a station wagon. Or he, give that away. <laughs> he thinks he's rich, but it's changed. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I go down there. This guy's dressed in a suit, and he's got his family. They're all polished. They look like really wealthy people. And God says, give him that $100. I said, oh, come on, God. They're, I don't even have a car. They're, all they are is out of gas. And I, and I, but I said, um, here, I feel the Lord wants you to have this. Guy looked at me and he said, praise the Lord. He said, uh, I sold my business and um, sold my house to go into the ministry. And uh, my family and I have been living in a hotel, and we just totally ran out of money and ran out of gas right here. You know, God was faithful to me. I didn't mind giving 100 bucks when I heard that. <laughs> and can you imagine what that did for him? You know, listen to God. Ooh. If you don't love money, you can hear him. If you love money, it stops your ears up. La, da, 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 da. I can't hear you. I mean, that's, a, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. So don't spend money that you don't have. Be ready to give. And then here's another one. Don't buy what you can't afford. And then the second one, don't buy what you can't afford. I got to look at my notes again here. Did I really say that? It's in my handwriting. I, I must mean it. Don't buy what you can't afford, and don't buy what you can afford. You know, if you just go spend money because you can, you'll never know the love of God. I mean, I'm speaking in hyperbole, but you'll really miss out on God's goodness. One of the worst things to, to have is all you want and need. From birth to death. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that when I got married, I had 10 cents in my pocket, no checking account, and no credit card. Spent my last $10 feeding some bums that I'd been witnessing to. My wife served them on a street corner, and we went to the funeral home where we got married. And I had not one, a dime. I had a dime. I had 10 cents. And nobody brought presents because we just announced that morning we get married. And then somebody gave me $10, $10, and that was our start. We had no hotel to go to that night. I mean, it was 10 bucks. I said, okay, now what, Lord? And sometimes God takes people through extremes. You see, I paid a lot for this message tonight for you guys. <laughs> I did. I did. My wife, some, somebody asked my wife, they said, how long did it take Gary to write that message? She looked at me. She said, 20 years. That's what it takes, is going through what God has for you with his grace. So if you buy everything you can, you're going to have junk around your house you don't need. You're going to be stuffed with stuff. 
And you won't have the money to give that God wants you to. One time I was going to buy a harmonica. I play harmonica. I know I'll be mobbed again for that now. <laughs> but I'll drive you away with my accordion. No. Uh, so I see this. I went to this little store and they had harmonicas for two bucks. Deal. Now I had probably five harmonicas. And I, I reach for that $2 harmonica. This was just a few years ago. I reach for it. And, and that Holy Spirit smoke alarm went off. Beep, 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 Two bucks, Lord. Two bucks, Gary. I don't want you wasting it. Got out of line. Once you give your money to God, you'll start hearing his voice better. You will. Every every decision you make for obedience, God talks more. The Bible says if you'd know his will, if you'd do his will, you'd know his will. I have a couple friends who um, they've decided to live like this. He's an accountant, makes good money, makes good money. He's giving away a huge amount of it, and I don't know what. They haven't told me. But they decided not to buy things they can afford, but to wait till God brings them to him. See, sometimes we don't give God a chance to give it to us. You ever know somebody you can't, you can't buy them a present at Christmas time? Why? Because if they want something, they go buy it. I purposely don't buy things I want. I purposely don't. Who can give to me? Who can give anything to me if I've got it all? It's no fun to be around a person like that. Oh, here's another one of these. Oh, thanks. Put it in the closet. This is not fun. For anybody. <laughs> so don't buy everything you want. Just see what God will do. Here's how specific God is. I'm out, I'm out mo- helping a young lady move, getting a divorce. She's quite wealthy. And out in back, she's throwing away all this good stuff. And I saw this elegant tray, elegant wood serving tray. And I thought, it's a per- it looked brand new. And I knew it came from an expensive place. So I just threw that in my hand. He said, you're throwing this away? He said, yeah. So I'll take it. I had no use for it, but I took it. This couple came over to my house, and the Lord said, give that to them. And I brought this tray out to them. They said, you've got to be kidding us, Gary. We were at Ikea and looking at trays. We wanted a tray because we don't have anything. They just got married, had a nice little apartment, but they didn't have anything to serve on, and this woman wanted to have hospitality, but she decided, she and her husband, you know, and so he didn't have to say, come on, you know, no fighting about it. Just, no, honey, that's, we'll wait. So she just didn't buy it. Gave God a little time. Give, him a, give God a little time to give you stuff. He's a loving father. He's a loving father. He wants to give you things. But if you're a taker, you'll never be a receiver. God's a giver. Give him a chance to be himself in your life. They came over another time. <laughs> How random is this? I go in our pantry. My wife had won a contest once, and the contest was for an olive company, and she had a whole basket full of different kinds of olives, whatever. <laughs> you know, they'll last for years. I just, I just happened to think, I'm going to give them some olives tonight. And I went and put 
olives on the coffee table before they came over. She comes in. She said, Gary, I had olives in my hand at the grocery store, and I put them back. I decided they were too expensive and too much of a luxury for us right now. You think she'll ever forget that? You think those olives will taste the same as if she bought the others? I tell you what, when you receive something from God, instead of taking it by money you don't have or money you're supposed to give away to somebody who really needs it, the taste is so much sweeter. You can have all the stuff you want, but it won't satisfy. But if it comes from the hand of God, give him a chance. Don't buy what you can't afford. For sure. I don't care if it's food. I mean, I'm radical on this. If you don't have money for food, don't eat for a while. See what God will do for you. I mean it. I mean it. So, well, I got it to eat. You don't have to go to McDonald's. You don't. Oop, oopie. All right, I'll, I'll quit. <laughs> All right, we started out we started out with thorns. Do you know that Jesus, this is Passover. Jesus bled from seven parts of his body. Seven parts of his body. And every every place he the Lord told me that once I was speaking in Uganda. I didn't know what to talk about, and he said, Talk about the blood. I said, Okay. He said he said there's seven places where Jesus bled. And each one reversed a curse. Remember those thorns? that choked out fruitfulness, those thorns that made economy not work for Adam, that made Adam and Eve worry and anxious about if the earth would bring out fruit, those thorns ended up on Jesus' head. And when Jesus bled from his head, anxieties were defeated. Worry about money was destroyed in the spirit. And provision, unhindered provision, was released. Unhindered provision was released. Just before I uh, came, I was trying to look over my notes and see if I could organize them. I couldn't. So uh, I was just sitting there, and the phone rang just before I came to prayer, and it was this young man, the one who had... um, Done is, is living like this right now. He said, Gary, he says, you got time for a little story? I said, sure. He said, uh, you know, we just went on vacation and um, I uh, I didn't pay my my credit card on time, so I had a fine. Now, they pay it off every time, but if they didn't pay it off, there's a fine. And I, I called... I called the credit card company and and uh, I, I messed up my numbers and so I didn't get through and I thought well, maybe God wants me to pray or get the right person on the other line because what he wanted, he said, I just prayed, God, give me grace in this thing. And uh, he said, I, I don't want, he didn't want to throw money away out of foolishness. Nobody does. So he said, prayed, God, give me grace. So he um, made the call. Hello, this is Grace. He explained his 
He acknowledged that he paid late, but asked if they could waive it this time. And she said, yes, we can do it for you this time. Grace. You know, God has grace for the mistakes you make financially. I one time got a ticket when I was living this real poor lifestyle. I mean, just no food in my refrigerator, nothing, just day to day. No gas in my tank, just about ran out. Yeah, it was amazing what God kept on doing. And I got a ticket because I parked uh, my flat tire, which already, you know, already that's three bucks to patch it if I take it off and do it myself. And I was thinking about three bucks. I don't have that, God. And while I'm thinking about that, policeman drives up. And he said, what are you doing here, buddy? I said, well, I, I got a flat tire. He says, yeah, but you can't park it on the ramp. I got to give you a ticket. I said, oh, no. On top of my flat tire, a ticket and no money. And I'm sitting there, and anxiety starts coming over me like, ah. Oh. That anxiety just started coming on me, you know. And I said, God, I've, I've, oh, I made a mistake, God. What am I going to do? He said very clearly, he said, I paid for your sins. Oh, I guess you can take care of 20 bucks. God's on your side, people. Trust him with your money. Amen. Wouldn't you like some of those stories in your life? Wouldn't you like to live by faith and trust in God, like Gary listened, obeyed, and God gave him testimonies. As I heard him, I said, that's what I want. I want stories of God's faithfulness. I want to see God provide in much more wonderful ways than I've seen. So I want you to pray for us for that, that God will give us the faith and the obedience. You know, he, he obeyed when it was difficult. He obeyed, and God came through so but i have him pray and then i'm going to pray i'm going to turn this into a prayer meeting and then uh, we'll invite the newbies up for a little time and people who want to know more about the holy spirit but for now we just want to take what we've heard and we want it to bore in to our heart and actually change our the, the way we live change the way we spend so Okay, let's just go in order. The first change comes in our lives when we repent. That's always what we have to do. I repent of the love of money. Now, some of us love it this much. We say, well, I'm pretty good. I give, I pay tithes, and I do this, and I do that. And I've given to the poor a couple of times, and I've given to mission things. God, I'm pretty good with that. But we still are so protective and fearful. And so the first thing to do is repent of trusting of relying on money rather than on God. So let me just pray a prayer of repentance. And if that is something in your heart, you know that you fear a lot, that God won't take care of you, and you are living in part, either one of these could be you, some of you are living in part for time, and you are thinking this is where the joy is found, This is, and money is what brings joy. And money is what brings peace. And money is what brings confidence. And money is what brings this. And so you're doing that. So I'm going to pray repentance first. Okay? 
Just turn your hands up to God if that is you. Dear Jesus, we have the love of money in us. God, the spirit of materialism has grabbed our hearts in part or some in full, God. We're just full-blown for this world. And we don't even realize it because we go to church, we go to Bible study, we do all this, but we're full-blown in loving this world and what it can give us. Lord, we want to repent partially for part of our hearts that aren't that are they're snared there with the Babylon. A little bit, a lot. We want to repent. God, we want to be trusting in you, the provider, the creator, the one who makes every seed grow. And then, Jesus, we want to, first of all, repent from dead works. And the next step is faith towards God. Hebrews 6. We want to put our faith in you now, God. Oh, Lord, it's not enough to feel sorry, to decide not to do something. we got to fill up. God, that empty space, that scary space of like, well, how, how, am I going to, how am I going to do this? God, the anxieties that come, the fear that comes, the lack of trust in you, the lack of working, the passivity, all those things... God, put them all in the past. We want to repent of all those and put our faith in you. We want to work hard, God, but we want to put our faith in you that whether we get a big check or a small check, God, whether we get an increase in our wages or we had to take a cut because of what's happening in the company or even we lost our job, we want to say, God, our faith is in you. Our faith, could we say that together? Our faith is in you. One more time. Our faith is in you. God, you're the provider, the great provider, the father of us all. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd know, help us know where to put our hand to work. You'd open jobs for people. You'd give finances to these two young ladies that are going out. That'd be a good place to start for some of you. Show us, Father, how to handle our money. Help us get out of debt, God. Help us. Show us the steps. Show us where we're addicted to different things that we always spend money on that. No matter what, we'll always get that mocha. No matter what, we got to have that. Lord, show us where we're addicted. Show us things that always get our favor. And break them, Father. Break our hearts. Transform us, God. And then fill us with joy, Lord. The joy of following you, knowing you, believing in your your provision for us. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, touch our hearts now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Some of you are called to make money. And if you are in that position, you believe God has anointed you to make money, called you to make money. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you because I believe that God's going God's to release you into a, in a new place of really making money and being creative about it. We bless. We bless what God has put in your heart. We bless what God has put in your hand. And we release you into creative ways to make money 
and then to use it for the advance of the kingdom. We bless you in whatever God gives you. Do what God gives you to do and do it with all your might, with all your strength, with all your heart because God is with you and he will allow you to prosper. We pray that everything that they touched, like the Psalm 1 man who meditates on the Word of God, everything that they do will prosper. We pray that you would cause businesses to prosper. We pray that you bless people here with financial blessing, God, so that that songs of praise can rise up to heaven for how that money is used to bless people in the kingdom and into the kingdom. I want to bless those who are who are poor. I spent a summer in another country as a student. After two years in seminary, I, I was overseas for 14 months, and three of those were in a very poor country. And I realized, I saw that you don't have to be rich to be materialistic. You can be very poor and very materialistic. So I want to break that from anybody who doesn't have money and thinks that, well, I can't be materialistic. I'm just poor. It's not true. I I break materialism from those who don't have money. I break it from you that you will not be envious, that you will not be wishing you had what you don't have, that you will want what God gives you, but not uh, be discontent because of what you lack. We break the power of money in your life to determine the level of your happiness or the level of your contentment. We speak freedom tonight, wherever you are. Like Paul said, whatever state I am, whether you have or whether you lack, we bless you. Take it. Take it now. We bless you with contentment. We bless you with a contented heart. A contented heart is a thankful heart. It thanks God for what you have, not what you lack. You say, thank you, God. Just say it. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you've given me. Thank you for the clothes I'm wearing. Thank you for the food I'm eating. Thank you for what I'm driving. Thank you for the friends I have. Thank you for my background. Thank you for my destiny. I thank you, oh God. Okay. Now, just turn turn to somebody uh, that that's close to you that you can pray with pray ask them what you can pray for in relation to finances and money so that this becomes now a prayer meeting I want you to pray and the wonderful thing about these meetings is when we end that's when the meeting begins really we all see it it, it, it this is when the meeting starts now because we take the word and we start to apply it we'll have meetings upstairs we'll, we'll let you know in a few moments we'll go upstairs with the newbies holy spirit people But uh, this isn't the time for fellowship. It's a time for prayer. We'll have plenty of time for fellowship. There's food upstairs. We want you to enjoy it. Don't forget to pick up the book if you want it. It's right here. I've also got a couple Dare to Dreams. I want to give those away. So uh, turn now, right now. Just turn. Turn to people next to you. And pray for them in an area of finance, area of need.